over the past few weeks, we've been talking about being pushed out and, uh, and, and hearing God's calling. And, and, you know, it was, it was catalyzed by the fact that we got to do a church service in, uh, in, in 97 Milby. And, uh, that was pretty awesome. And, uh, it's, it was, you know, loud cause we're hearing the kids downstairs and it was good, but we were pushed out and, and we didn't have our space. And, you know, we talked about how it makes us feel vulnerable as a church. We talked about how it's important that a church doesn't grow by, by good signage and a great marketing scheme, but that it grows by the active work of, uh, of God doing stuff where the church is able to have an impact and it's able to build a reputation that points people towards God. Uh, impact and reputation. And we got that by starting to study Jesus. So last week we looked at Jesus having impact. And he, he healed people. And he had impact by bringing healing. And he had impact by providing. Uh, by relying on God to, to provide for, for people. And... Uh, and that was, that was really important. Today, if you have any text messages, we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about reputation. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about the spreading of, of the message. But if you have any, if you have any text messages or, or comments, then you can use your tablet in front of you under today's message. At the bottom of all the notes, you can actually ask a question or make a comment. And towards the end of the message, then uh, I'll be able to get into that. Um, as, a, as a point of, of review, uh, our metrics for success uh, as a church, we're really establishing this and we want people to understand this because so many churches struggle with how do we know if we're doing well? How do we know when we can celebrate? How do we know when, when you've achieved something that's worthwhile? And honestly, if you don't set metrics, then it actually simply becomes the amount of people in the congregation and the dollars raised. That's, what, that's the, the two observable metrics that are default metrics for any organization. How many people do you have engaged and how much money are you bringing in? That's a, that's a typical, any organization, that's the metrics. And we were like, well, that's not really what it's about because God is doing something greater than that inside a promised church. And so we, we really prayed and, and considered and thought about what are metrics that we have as a church. And we realized that these four metrics are what we're carrying. Percentage of income spent on promised grants. We want that to, to hit 10%. That's people moving out into the community doing things. And honestly, that gains reputation. That gains impact. Those things are things that are important. And promise groups running uh, in our church community beginning in early 2020. Today, we've got our second week of training for promise group leaders. So excited about it. Um, there's just so much coming today, uh, including lunch. Um, <laughs> so really excited about, about that training today, and it's going to be worthwhile. Uh, target number of baptisms per year. We want every year 10% of our average attendance to be baptized every single year. We put out a call towards baptism last week and we had some responses. And so again, if you have not yet been baptized and you know that Jesus is, is Lord and Savior, you need to get to the Get Connected card, say, here's my name, I want to get baptized. Um, and, uh, and for the people that did respond, I have not yet set a date and so that's coming very soon. Um, and strengthening our spiritual practices. What we just went through is something that this church believes that we want to be strengthening our practices. Church is not a spectator sport. Church is something that we're participating in. And so our spiritual practices in the middle of our, of our service are the point where God is actually interacting with you. We come in in worship 
and and we're 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 reflecting to God and saying God you're so worthy and you're so awesome and then we put ourselves in a position where God is able to speak to us and interact with us as we reach out to him through these different spiritual practices and honestly they affect your spiritual life during the week um and so these are the, our metrics for success as a church so today we're we're going to look at at Jesus reputation and how it spread and there's a really interesting uh tone to this one because as we go into it you know, there's a lot of pressure that can build up. You get this build up of like, oh my goodness, the pastor just wants me to do, 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 do. And, and we've got to be out there and we've got to be going and we're being pushed out and it's very pressure and, and, and all of these things. And yes, God does want us, want us to go. And I was like, God, okay, so you've got to, you got to give us something that's like, Okay, we could breathe a little bit. And so as I was praying, I had this really brilliant me idea. Okay, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a spiritual enough pastor, but this one came from me. I'm like, God, it's been heavy. Like the last three sermons, if you if you miss them, you could listen to them online. They're just like, they're just a hardcore go, push. And it's good. Like the responses I'm getting, everybody's like, yeah, this is what we need to hear. And we need to be, we need to be pushed into, into action and thank God for that. And it's so good. But I'm sitting going, but that can be so tiring because the weight of expectation gets put on us, right? The weight of, of all of that, like, oh, I've got to carry the whole thing for the name of Jesus. Like, I'm just tired. You don't know what's going on in my life. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I can't do it. I can't fix the world's problems. And frankly, we can't. We just can't fix the world's problems. God can and will. He promises to. But we can't. That's not our role. And so I was like, okay, so God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a good passage. I'm going to pick a good, good theme, and I'm going to go with it that just really is just like, guys, cool, relax. Okay, so I was like, I know Jesus did self-care by withdrawing. Okay, that was, that was my theme. That's what I'm like, this is what I'm going to go with. Because in our context, in our space, this is what we do for self-care. We think that it makes sense for us to just step back, withdraw, and then we see it in the Gospels. And we're like, yes, withdraw. Exactly. That's what we need to do. And I've heard it preached a whole bunch of times. So we're going to use four texts today. This is actually every time in the, in, in the book of Matthew that Jesus withdraws. Now, the... the, the the thing is, is I went into this honestly, and I'm like, okay, so Jesus withdraws, and we're going to do this self-care message, and it's going to be beautiful, and, and it's going to be wonderful, and I'm writing the message, and I'm like, that's called Jesus. So I'm like, what's going on here? Jesus does withdraw, and what we're going to see is Jesus' withdrawal, his persistent withdrawal is intentional and really cool, and there's a great point of trust that we're going to learn, but it's not what I expected. And I'm like, okay, cool. So are you with me on this one? Are you, are you interested in, okay, what do we mean by Jesus withdrawing? Is anybody going like, what are we talking about? Okay, good. So I'm going to pray because we're going to need it. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. <laughs> um, so let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. And the reason I thank you for your word is because you reveal so carefully ways that are countercultural, that, that we have our cultural, our, our cultural trends and our cultural norms, and then your word as we read it just 
takes it and tweaks it slightly. And so today I pray that our understanding of your withdrawal would be tweaked just slightly. And I pray that we would be able to to trust you more as we go through this this message and as we step forward as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so because I'm super spiritual, like you all know this, right? I totally forgot my paper Bible, so I'm going to be flipping through my uh, my online Bible. Um, and, uh, and so it's all good uh, because it still works. It's still ESV, which is the truly English God Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't matter. Um, it's just what we use. So here we go. Now, Jesus, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He withdrew. You know, bad news, you withdraw. You just, okay, I got to process this. That's what we think is happening. And leaving Nazareth, he went into Capernaum by the sea to a territory of Zebulun and Nephelty. Oh, shoot, I can't say that. I'm sorry. Um, And so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Yep, got to say it again. The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali. Nephtali, there it is. Dyslexia sucks. Um, <laughs> by the way of the sea and the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentile and Galilee of the Gentiles, people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, of death, on them the light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." Thank God. Okay, so. This is, this is what we've got here. It takes trust. Sorry about this, Devin. It takes trust to withdraw from a place of active ministry. It takes trust to withdraw from a place of active ministry. And, and what's going on is, is as Jesus steps into this, we, we hear him hearing news, and then he withdraws into Galilee, he leaves the space that he was, where stuff is starting to click, where, where you know, this is right after uh, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's just like, I'm going to dig into ministry. He leaves where he was, and he goes off into another place. He withdraws. He hears bad news, and he withdraws. But what is really, really insightful to me is, is Jesus is consistently leading people to himself, and reputation is starting to build. He's got, he's got impact. He's got impact and reputation that's happening. So in the time that we would expect Jesus to get it, right when he's filled with the spirit and he just goes and, and he, he withdraws and, and he, he's, he's just like, okay. And so when we see withdrawal, the first thing I think of when I think of withdrawal is I think of a hiding away. I think of a place where we go to, you know, maybe I just need to withdraw and watch, watch Netflix for a while. Maybe I need to withdraw and just shut myself in a house and not deal with the crazies out there for a while. <clears throat> maybe I need to withdraw and, and just be like, just be like, nope, this is me time for a while. And I was looking for that in the, in the text and it didn't happen. What I see here is Jesus withdraws and he goes into a land and the scripture tells me that Jesus isn't with, withdrawing and then, and then tr- trying to thrust himself into the, time, into the limelight. Jesus is taking a step back, but he's still active. 
He's still active. He goes, he goes, and the scripture says, the scripture says that the people have, who were dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus withdraws and everybody sees Jesus. Everybody sees Jesus because as he goes, he's actually moving to another place and other people are seeing Jesus that wouldn't have seen him if he stayed in the same location. If Jesus had stayed right where he was planted and he was like, okay, here I am. I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to do all my ministry here. His sphere of influence would have been much smaller than when he withdrew and went to another place. He withdraws and he goes to another place and he starts to preach the repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, on hearing bad news, left his situation and continued the work somewhere else. It doesn't say Jesus withdrew and watched Netflix. It doesn't say Jesus withdrew and, and just sat quietly by himself. It's shocking to me that Jesus withdrew. And I'm just like, what do you mean, God? I'm looking for a message of peace and tranquility, and we've been pushing for so hard, so I thought that if I look at these texts of withdrawal, that that's where we're going to get to. And what I found throughout the Gospel of Matthew is Jesus doesn't get it. He withdraws, and he continues to work doing the same type of thing somewhere else. And I'm sort of going, God, I don't get it. There's more pressure. Isn't it? It feels like more pressure. And I'm like, oh no, this is not going the way I want it to go. So I tried altering scripture. It didn't work well. So then I was like, okay, so what are we going to do? And I'm like, God, you've got to tell me what you're doing here. You've got to tell me what you're doing here. Our next text is in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 to 21. Um, okay, so here we go. I'll give you a I'll give you the 14. Verse 14 is great. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against Jesus how to destroy him. Wow. Guys, what was the last time someone conspired against you how to destroy you? Anybody have that experience? Because I want to hear about it. High school? Somebody got high school? Yeah, okay. Good. So for me, you know, it's uh, probably never. I'm not that important. And so Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Right, okay. Negative stimulation, withdrawal. That's that we got the pattern. Okay, good. What happens? Many people followed him and he healed them all and he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fill, fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Um... A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice and victory and the name of the Gentiles will hope. Or in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Wait a second. So every time Jesus withdraws, and I'm kind of tipping my hand here a little bit, but it's important. Every time Jesus withdraws, he engages with the crowds who follow him. Every time he withdraws, he's always engaging with the people around him. He's always engaging. And the crazy thing is no one keeps a good secret. Nobody keeps a good secret. 
God did something. He healed me. And he's like, shh. Nobody's keeping that secret. Nobody's like, oh, yeah, whatever. So Jesus' reputation increases. He has impact, and following impact is reputation. Now, this is crazy. I'm, I'm really, you know, there's something really profound being here. Um, it would be a mistake to think that Jesus is just too popular to get away from. You know, it, it's, that's not what's going on here. People are following him for a reason. They're following him because he kn- they know that, that good things are going to happen. There's an impact. And they're following him and they're saying, okay, so, so teach us more about God. Let us learn more. Let's, let's understand this. And Jesus consistently engages with these crowds. So Jesus being, he's being intentional in making sure that the message and the signs reach the largest audience. The message and the signs reach the largest audience. Wow. Okay. So Jesus is saying, here I am. I'm in one place. Negative, negative stimulus happens. I step out of it and I go and I'm like, okay, we're going to keep on doing something else. I'm going to keep on expanding the message. And I'm like, God, this is tiring. This is tiring. But look at this. I think here is the key. Sometimes when we do ministry, we get the idea and we do, we volunteer in things and we help out and we want to serve in our community. And we've been talking a lot about, you know, moving out into the community and, and helping improve our community around. We've been spending a lot of time resource talking about that. And sometimes when we actually look at that, we look at the big problem and we say, oh man, there's this problem and there's this problem and there's this problem and there's this problem and it's going to take this long or this many years to actually change that. It's going to take all of my effort and all of my life. I'm right now involved at WH Day as a school and you guys know that and I love the school. But to fix everything that goes on at WH Day is going to take all of my life and all of my energy and absolutely everything if I just have to fix it. And I can't fix the problems of the world. Anybody with me? Any, anybody say you can't fix the problems of the world? Just show me your hand. Let me know you're with me. Yeah, good, good. Okay, good. So I can't fix the problems of the world. And, and so how am I supposed to do this? And I think we learned from Jesus here. Jesus, this is what I learned from the text. This is unbelievable to me. Jesus trusts God enough to leave one good thing in order to do another good thing somewhere else. Jesus trusts God enough to leave one good thing in order to do another good thing somewhere else. Oh my goodness. What if the pressure we put on ourselves is because we think our calling is actually to fix the whole problem when our calling is to show a sign towards God who's going to fix the problem? What if we might be making too much about my involvement and we get sunk right into the midst of the mire and we join in the problem and even contribute to the problem? 
And we sink ourselves in and the idea of doing ministry, you know, my, my dad, he did some, oh, he's not here today. That's unfortunate. My dad did some, some, some great work with, uh, with, with poor people in Toronto. And, and, you know, you just sink yourself right into the ministry and you realize after working with the homeless in Toronto, my dad came to the conclusion, we can't fix this. We just can serve here. We can't fix it. Oh, what if the purpose is not that we go out and we make the kingdom of God happen, but that we simply show signs of the kingdom of God? Positive signs that move us in the right direction. The weight on our shoulder is not that we have to go and fix all of the social things all of the problems that might exist inside this town or inside the town that you live, the weight is to show, do things that point to the solution who is Jesus Christ. Do things that say, my God who I serve is going to create this type of thing and then we trust God enough to do it and then walk away and not carry that burden. To just be like, okay, here's my sign. This is, what, this is what God does. This is striking to me. Almost alarming to me. Jesus healed people. Everybody understand that the healings were a sign of the kingdom of God? That healings are a sign of the kingdom of God? And Jesus healed people. He even raised people from the dead. But every single one of them died. They're all dead now. Every one of them. Oh, the leper who, who, who needed to be, to be healed, he, he's dead. Jairus' daughter, who Jesus miraculously healed, dead. A hundred percent of the people that Jesus healed are dead. It's simply a sign. It's a sign that says... The kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming. It looks like this. Sometimes we carry the weight of responsibility too much. And Jesus is smart enough to withdraw and just do something simple over here. I could do this. For Jesus, that's something simple as I can heal. Done. 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 I'm not that good yet. I don't know. Um, maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe I have seen God heal through my prayers. I have seen that, but I don't know that I could, you know, set up a healing seminar and be like, guaranteed this is done. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. But Jesus does what he does, and he goes to a place and goes, this is what I could do. I can heal, and I can provide, and then I can withdraw to somewhere else. I can heal, and I can provide, and I can withdraw to somewhere else. For us at Promise Church, we can simply engage in something that benefits the town. We can engage in it, and we could do it, and then we walk away and say, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. And you go somewhere else, and you engage it, and you do it, and you have fun in it, and you're like, this is it, and then you walk away. You know, it was, it was, um, it was about six months ago that, that we got to do a grant for the Chris, for the, for the, Teachers at Chris Hadfield, we got to spend $1,000 on, on their stuff, and it was really, really exciting and cool, and it was fairly easy. I mean, Jonathan worked his butt off, did some shopping, and had some fun, and got us some good prices, and then, and then uh, Libni and Armando and, and uh, Colleen and, and Val and I got to go wrap some gifts. Ooh, that was hard. And then we, 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 we communicated, here's the sign. The kingdom of God is, is a sign of generosity. 
And we went and we did it and then we walked away. We just walked away. We withdrew. And I'm like, this is so cool because there's something really good about trusting God enough to leave one good thing. We don't have to fix it. See, the crowds follow Jesus because he's a sign of something far greater. We need to trust God to allow our actions to simply be signs of something far greater than me. I remember I started a, a youth group, a kids' youth group, and uh, and it was it was crazy. It was just a gym program, and uh, and so I started this gym program, and kids were coming out, and I wanted to fix all of the systemic issues in that community. I wanted to just get in there and fix all their problems. It was a it was a uh, it was an at risk community. Uh, kids were all over. I had about sixty eight kids in my youth group, and they're just running crazy. And all I'm doing is playing games, and I got so frustrated with it because I saw the problems and I couldn't fix them. I couldn't. I tried my hardest. I poured my heart and soul into fixing these kids' problems. I did everything I could and and I had to shut my youth group down five years after I started it because a kid started making threats that he was going to shoot one of the other kids in the youth group with his gun that he just got on eBay. eBay was a thing back then. And I don't know whether they were true or not. I don't know what's going on. But I know that I had to call the police into the situation. And I knew that, that what was created wasn't sustainable and it wasn't safe any longer. And, and the hope that I had that I was going to fix their problems was actually the wrong hope. The hope that I should have had was, can they see Jesus through me? When I go and do this youth group thing, can they see Jesus? Did they get pointed to Christ? And sadly, in my, in my novice experience in ministry, they didn't get pointed to Christ. They just saw me trying to fix their problems. And I'm not big enough to do that. What I could have learned from Jesus is, and Jesus withdrew and went somewhere else and did the same thing. And I could have been able to say, okay, so I'm here. I'm going to point you to Jesus. I'm going to point you to the hope of the world, the one that can actually fix all your systemic problems, the one that can actually give you hope in this life and the life to come. And I'm going to, I'm going to help you know Jesus so that, you know, God can work in you in your whole life. But that's not my weight. That's not my burden to carry. I can't fix all your problems. I can point you to Jesus. Jesus withdrew. Impact shows the world hope. This is really interesting. In verse 21 of what I just read, at his name, the Gentiles will hope. As Jesus moved on and on and on, and as I see our, our influence in our town being in these momentary glimpses where pff, something is done here by one promise group and something is done over here by another promise group and something is done over here by another promise group, these instances of action that just create a light of hope, in his name the Gentiles will put their hope. And the reputation of promised church carrying the name of Jesus becomes a place where people who don't know Jesus can start to put their hope. And we can start to be a people who are actually, we don't have to carry the weight of the world's problems. We could just be a part of showing people the hope of Jesus. Jesus was, uh, the next one was Matthew 13. Um, my phone locks, that's fun. Um, <laughs> Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 13 and 14. This one's pretty short. 
if I can find it. 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. Am I right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I don't actually see where I'm going with it. Um, Whatever. No, it's incorrect. I got that wrong. Um, Sorry, unless I'm in the wrong spot in my Bible. Yeah, sure, okay. No, but that's not the right one because I got it wrong. I apologize. Um, so, so the idea in, in this one is, is as our reputation increases, uh, our compassion for people will draw people to Jesus. Thank you. That's what happens when you're dyslexic and you write notes. I apologize for that. Um, it, is, it is an interesting uh, thing, being dyslexic, to fight through, and you see it happen. When I was studying Greek, um, try, try being dyslexic in another language. Um, <laughs> it's hard. So it's always, it's always challenging. Thank you for your patience in that. Um, so, so here it is. It's 14.13. Thank you very much. So when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to the desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went to shore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Guys, sometimes we do just want to withdraw. Sometimes we do just want to pull back. And the reputation of what God is doing chases us and follows us, and people are there. And you know what? God just goes, okay, you can... Just do this. You don't have to fix all the problems. Just do what you do and have compassion and love these people. So our reputation for compassion is something that draws people to Jesus. And that's all I wanted to say with that one. Jesus had compassionate response. And oh, actually there is one, one other thing. The, the, sometimes the crowd is so large that the, or the need is so large that you just have to put your trust in God to do it through other people. So there's something that, that happens as it goes on. 15 says, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, it's a desolate place and the day is now over. And the crowds send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food. And Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Sometimes, sometimes the call is so big that you actually just need a team around you to work with you. This isn't something we do alone. It's not something we do alone. And so God is good. Um, and the last one is... Hopefully I got this one right. <laughs> Thank you to whoever figured out that I wanted to go to that one. Um, I was just going to skip it. Um, so once again, Jesus withdraws in uh, Matthew fifteen twenty-one to 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came begging and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. His answer is, I was sent to the lost house of Israel. But she came and knelt with him before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman of great faith, be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So this one's interesting. Jesus withdraws and the people follow. Same thing. It's not this mental health thing. It's Jesus knows that he's going to continue going to other places doing the same thing. And, and the wrong people start following Jesus. And it's hilarious because Jesus is like, go away. Jesus tells this person, go away. 
You're not my burden. You're not the burden that I was called to carry. And this woman, like, disobeys Jesus. No, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And, and so her trust is in God who sees that no enemy is too large to be taken out by God's action. Nothing stops God from his victory. Now, my fatigue, sometimes we get fatigued, as my point was, that we carry too much of the weight. We need to trust God to carry it through because nothing's going to stop him from the victory. Nothing is going to stop God from the victory. So when I say I can walk into a situation and I can say I could do only what I can do and I can't fix this problem, I could just point you to the kingdom of God. I can only carry what I can carry and no more. I can be there and I can show compassion, but I can't fix your situation necessarily. I can be there and I can be compassionate and I can show you the kingdom of God and I can give you a glimpse of it, but I can't fix all of your issues. Jesus can. Jesus can. And so I defer. And when I defer in trust to God, the weight of responsibility comes off my shoulders. Oh, there it is. The weight of responsibility comes off of my shoulders when I realize that God doesn't, isn't defeated by any of the enemies that defeat me. God is the one who is, has a hope for the world. It's in Jesus' name that all nations put their hope. Not in my name. Not in my consistency. Not in my ability to fix the problem. It's in Jesus' name. And I just feel the weight rolling off my shoulders where I'm now willing to withdraw and say, yeah, I did my best here, but I can't fix your problem. It keeps coming back. I served you and I point you to Jesus, but I'm not the hero. I'm not the Messiah. I'm just simply part of a community that's going and loving on Jesus. And the weight comes off of our shoulders and God goes, there's no enemy too large for me to defeat. We could trust that God cannot be stopped. We could withdraw to other places and continue to spread the message of God's kingdom into our world. Let me take a look at the text messages. I've heard that I've got a couple. <laughs> what is eisegesis? I apologize. Um, eisegesis is when you read your own opinion into the text. Um, so I came into this with the idea of I wanted to find a mental, a mental health kind of self-regulation kind of theme in the text. And I wanted to find it. And every single passage as you saw, Jesus withdrew and instantly is doing ministry. And I'm like, well, that's not self-regulation. If Jesus wanted to do this as self-regulation, Jesus would withdraw. And the next text would be, and he was alone for a day, contemplating his place in the world. It's not there. So eisegesis is when you try to make the Bible say something that it's not actually saying because you have a point you want to make. Is outlook important? Learning to recognize the kingdom of God in our midst. Oh my goodness, yes. The kingdom of God is among us. It is at hand. It's right here. Guys, our job, job as you will, our vocation is to point people towards Jesus. And to point Jesus, people towards Jesus, we need to see signs of his kingdom. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. These are all things that we're looking to see. We're looking to see, we're looking to see that, that the, 
that God is actually interacting and coming in and having an influence. Holy Spirit, every, every time Holy, Holy Spirit has work in our life or we able to, we're able to see the Holy Spirit do something in our life, that is God's incoming kingdom. Absolutely, the kingdom of God is in our midst. So we need to be able to see it when we're out, when we're in community together. We need to be able to see it when we're, when we're doing things. Ask God. Pray about it. Say, hey, God, show me where your kingdom's at hand. Show me. I want to start seeing it with my eyes. It's a big, important prayer. Sounds like an excuse to show up and not engage. We can fix some problems. Correct. Okay. So it's not an excuse to show up and not engage. This is a place where it's like everywhere with Jesus withdrew, he did engage and he did what he could do. But he did not do more. My whole I can't fix your problems was, was a, a reference back to my youth group experience. I couldn't fix the, the socioeconomic reality of these kids and the fact that they were at-risk kids. I couldn't fix that. What I could do was simply play some gym games with them. The burden I put on myself was to change the reality. The call was to do what I can do, which is simply just play some games with them and show them the kingdom through the love that you have with them. If I had carried only that weight, hey, I'm here to play games with you and to show you Jesus' love, but I didn't carry the weight of I'm going to fix all your problems, I would have been carrying a lot less and hit a lot less fatigue. I had to trust. I have to learn to trust God. We have to learn to trust God to finish his work. He's the one who does the work. All of everything we do simply foreshadows. We have to do. We have to do. We have to do things, but it foreshadows. Every person that Jesus healed ended up dying. His work foreshadowed his final work when he returns and sets us free from absolutely everything. His work is still a foreshadow, and so we simply foreshadow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite the worship team back up, um, and, uh, and we, we'll, sing, we'll sing one song in conclusion. God's work foreshadows his final work. The hope that we have is that Jesus is the one who carries the responsibility. And so as we've been pushed out and we talk about, we talk about this move towards where we're going and we are trying our hardest to show people the kingdom of God, we also have to recognize that it's God's work and God's the one who's doing it. So let me pray for you. God, I thank you for the awesome call to be a community that's being pushed out. I thank you for the awesome responsibility to be having an impact in our town and, and, and seeing a reputation build that points people to you. I thank you that you've given us a vocation inside of our salvation. That it's not just we're saved and waiting for a better place to come when you return, but that we have a vocation to point people to you. That we have a role And God, I pray that we would see our role not as larger than it is, not as we have to fix everything, but that we have to engage and do what you've allowed us to do, what you've equipped us to do, and point people to you. And so, Jesus, I pray that that we would both push forward and trust you enough to know that it's your job. We thank you for partnering with us. In Jesus' name, amen.